thank you for all the help uh, everyone has given us to support this monastery and this particular way of studying the Buddha's Dharma. Please continue to help us if you can. I want to talk this evening about working with radical awareness. And I've been talking about this for years, but this is just a word radical doesn't mean somebody who's breaking the law. Radical just is a, the idea of going to the root of something. I think it's radix is the root word. I could be wrong, but it seems like that's what it is. Oh, going to the root and how you go to the root of anything is uh, go to whatever is showing up. So well, whatever's showing up, you have to look at that first. You're not going to be able to look at the roots of a plant by just looking at the stems and branches and leaves and flowers. You have to start somewhere. Eventually, you will get to the root if you look at the entire plant. You may have to pull it out of the ground. I don't know, but that's about plants, botany or whatever. What we're talking about here is uh, the consciousness of human beings. It looks like everyone here is a human being, as far as I can tell, although there's some tremendous disguises out there these days. Have you noticed, have you, have you taken into consideration that you didn't have anything to say about this? You didn't decide if you, if you were, uh, what race you were, what your intelligence level is. You didn't decide. It just occurred to you. Or just You just woke up as a child of a couple of people, more than likely, or maybe one person. Maybe the other one is gone. There's so many different, uh, different things that can happen to each one of us as we try to grow up, I guess you'd say. And you notice, if you look closely, that you don't have a lot of say-so about anything. I would say that you really don't have a choice about anything, but I, I'm kind of a uh, what would you say, radical in that way? But you need to see it. Don't believe anything I say. You could listen. You're here. This is a Dharma talk. I'm a Dharma teacher. I have two. I had two teachers specifically and several teachers generally. And still have those. And I am recommending to you that you, you don't waste another minute of your life not... Uh, not looking at what this is fundamentally. And you have it. You have everything you need. You have everything you do. You don't really need the, the Dharma books. You don't have to have them. But it might be a good idea to listen to someone who's been working with this for a long time. It might not even be in this tradition. It might be in another tradition. I'm not claiming some kind of uh, central authority here. There is no authority. Find out if there's an authority. If you think there's an authority, the very nature of ignorance is to think there's somebody who knows more than you do. <laughs> of course, the other extreme is to think you know everything. <clears throat> so what am I encouraging you to do? I am encouraging you to, to look right at whatever is arising in the mind as you're sitting still. We go over this all the time. I'm always coming back to basic meditation instruction, basic awareness. Without awareness, your thought patterns can go this way and that, and you get tangled up in thinking that you can think about what you're thinking about or think about what somebody else is thinking about what you're thinking, and the whole spinning apparatus goes around and around. Either they call it samsara. You don't have to stop the spinning, the spinning. You don't have to correct anything. You don't have to fix anything. There isn't anything to correct. There, nothing is wrong with anything. Sure looks like it, though. Looks like a lot of particular people are wrong. 
perhaps. If you see what this is, everything comes to a halt. Everything that has been going this way and that way and should I or shouldn't I or do they or don't they or do I, should I? Or maybe I shouldn't, perhaps maybe the constant chatter of the mind is switching gears, changing the whole floor plan of everything and just some kind of turning around, turning around. Watch the turning around. Don't interfere. Don't fix anything. If you're listening to me, you could try that for a year. Just stop trying to be better. Stop trying to improve, to live up to some kind of a standard. I'm not saying there aren't all kinds of Buddhist teachings that will tell you otherwise. Of course there are. And maybe you should go check those out. I don't know. I'm not here to convince you of anything. I can't promise you anything. I won't promise you anything. I can't. I don't know anything. Start right with the mind stream, whatever's arising on the end of the tongue, whatever is arising in the ears, in the nostrils. Just very simple, direct perception of every single sense, sense object, sense consciousness. Just receive it. Just smell. Don't abandon this, the fragrance of something or the odor of something for where, what it came from, what it means. I'm not saying you can't smell something and says, oh, that's uh, lilacs. Of course, that's happening spontaneously. Anything that happens spontaneously is not separate from what engendered that. But when you, as a, uh, a consciousness that's wrapped up into a little snug ball, in your own little uh, uh, cocoon is the word that Trungpa Rinpoche used when teaching uh, the Shambhala teachings, cocoon. Excuse me, like we're cocooning. We're all, we always have this protective shield around us so we don't, nothing bad happens. <clears throat> so what is arising in your mind stream and what is arising in someone next to you, maybe your partner or someone three cushions away or three hours away or in another country altogether is not separate. Separated but fundamentally not separate. If you want to see that nothing is separate, you have to first look at the separations. And what are the separations? They are although whatever is happening in your mind looks like it's this compared to that. It looks like it's separate from something else. Just observe that. Don't smush anything together. Don't look for wholeness or oneness or singularity. Don't look for anything. Whatever arises, that's your object of meditation. It may be thoughts about about uh, throwing a rock through your neighbor's window because they party too late at night. Don't stop that. Also, don't throw the rock. But don't stop what is coming up with your ideas about it. Otherwise, we just continue to spin. We have to. We, you don't have to make peace with anything. You don't really even have to stop going to war. You just have to see that. When you start turning into what's commonly called in the tradition a demon, turning the Buddha's, the Buddha nature, the Buddha's mind into a demon, you just have to witness it, have to see it. And in that way, that begins to break down. But if you try to fight with it or change it or put some kind of patina over it so it looks like an angel, then that's just the, just the very nature of confusion to go around, go around, go around. Right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. All, all of those things are the very nature of delusion. It is necessary to 
see what this is with your awareness, not with your thought process, although thought, although the thought process may come into play quite a bit, depending on how you personally are wired. So it's radical in that when you start, you're starting with the leaves, the flowers, the, the, the branches and so on, but eventually in order to see the entirety, and that, that metaphor only works so far, so, so long. But at some point, there's some kind of very basis of things. If we go into the tradition, the Yogacara tradition of the eight consciousnesses, the first five sense, the, the six is this, this, the general thinking process, and the eighth is that part of the consciousness that curls up into a dark ball, and is paranoid and hides out from everything, and goes to war with the slightest uh, uh, remark or the slightest but it doesn't come from the, the disrespect somebody might be showing you. That's just a trigger. The actual emotion that you have comes from you. It comes from not you, the person, the personhood. That's unreal. But from the karma that, that arises with this particular person that has this kind of fingernails, this, this uh, uh, color of skin, this kind of thinking process, this particular sexual sexuality or sexual orientation. It's getting very complicated, but that complication has always been there. So it is about witnessing that, seeing that. Chung Rinpoche would say, making friends with that. So it doesn't mean accepting it. That's going too far. When you accept something, if you accept anything, you're actually blinding yourself. Don't accept, don't reject, and don't ignore. Those are the three poisons. That doesn't mean stick your head in a bucket of crap. It doesn't mean go overboard the other way, but if the bucket of crap is sitting next to you or is in your lap, you might want to look at it. Not with, why is that here? Who did this to me? Those are the melodramas and the stage plays and short stories. We continually to bring these stories around. And what are they doing? What are they doing? They're protecting an imaginary self. You don't have to believe this. It's just what I've been looking at for half a century or damn close to it. Over here, not, not talking about out here. Right here. That's what I'm seeing. So radical. Go to the root. Minimal. Do it very minimally. Sit very still. Sit symmetrical. Minimal. Don't add, subtract, or divide. Don't do anything with what arises in consciousness. Just look at it. You could say receive it because it's probably knocking on the door. Just receive it. If you, if you really receive it, you do nothing with it. It keeps right on going. It might come back in 10 minutes, and then it gets the same reception. It's as if you said, come right in. But then you don't, don't go any further for it. You don't make a bed for it and invite it in to lay down or to hang from the chandelier. You just receive it, and then it does whatever it needs to do. That metaphor of the house or the building only goes so far also. So we are endeavoring to look at the root of our confusion, our neurosis, our confusion, our delusion. If you look at the delusion long enough, you will eventually see that it is unreal, that it is an, an illusion that this very room, these very hands are illusory. They're relatively real, but we're not talking about the mundane path of just making a lot of money and 
having good health and uh, winning the lottery. Although those, those are all right if you want to do those. What are we talking about? We're talking about, I'm talking about seeing what is fundamentally true in, in yourself, in your, in your mind all the time, all day long, forever, from now on. See it, what is fundamentally true. You aren't separate from anything. You aren't separate from anyone. You aren't so, uh, separate from uh, Chokodawa's dad, Bruce, whom I just met again after not seeing him for about 13, 14 years. And I know him well enough to know that if I had not gone out there, he would have left without saying anything to me. So I trapped him. I said hello, and I shook his hand. And he had the courtesy to put out his cigarette. Was it courtesy? What was it? What? Why did he? Why didn't he just keep smoking? The old days, you would just keep smoking. It's not anybody's business whether you smoke or not. Things are a little bit different culturally. Meet everyone where they're at. Start start with yourself. Sit down and face the wall and meet everything that shows up in your mind, no matter how smelly, no matter how outrageously beautiful or seductive. Do nothing with it. Don't justify it. Don't condemn it, and certainly don't turn away from it. Train your mind to see what is true yourself. Do what the Buddha did 2,500, 2,600 years ago. As far as we can tell, he, he couldn't have taught the way in which he taught if he had not met his own mind right where it was, so that he could teach the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, so on and so forth. Lots of spiritual paths out there before the Buddha there were the Jains, or Jains, however you want to pronounce it. And before them, there were, what were those other people called? <laughs> it goes on back and on back and on back to the Upanishads and so on. Similar kind of teaching to the Buddha's Dharma, but not exactly the same. So here we are in 2023, whatever it is. You can do this. You don't have to, there's nothing to join. I'm not providing any kind of a club. There's no dues. Although a little while ago, I just asked for help because that's how, that's how we have to do it. We don't charge fees particularly. Maybe sometimes we have to do that. Take some questions or I can keep chattering away. Yeah, either way is fine. Yes, sir. What does it mean to stop improving when the desire to improve arises? Just watch the desire to improve. Don't fuel it with anything. Just watch. And it might show up in the form of a feeling. It could be, it also could be, there could be some kind of commentary right on it. I need to, I need to stop this. I need to be better. I need to, uh, whatever. It might be some kind of chatter, mental, conceptual kind of things rolling around, stories about yourself or possibly blaming some cause or blaming, blaming someone or blaming yourself. Whatever shows up, don't abandon it for something else. Abandon nothing. Accept nothing. Reject nothing. Ignore nothing. How do you do that? Practice, practice, practice. You have to watch the way you can't do it. Just like if you were, I'm not a sports person at all, but I always watch. If I throw something at a wastebasket instead of just go over and put it in, which is what I should do, by the way. Yeah. I throw it at it, and invariably it will hit the edge and fall outside. Is that, what is that telling me? You're a bad shot. 
Of course, that may not tie in with what you're asking me, but it's like that. It's watch the way you can't quite do it. It's about awareness. It's never about success. If you think it's about success, gotcha. Right into relative truth, right into the, the world that is driving itself nuts with, with success and failure and right and wrong and up and down and back and forth. Look at our whole uh, prison system. It's, it's crazy what we would do to human beings who are, who are in trouble and are young, especially young ones who are trying to find some way to live, some way to exist in, a, in an insane society that does not take care of her people. It's insane, but that's what, we're, that's what we have. So we can't just rush in there and just change everything. Maybe there are ways of doing that. We can get a few attorneys in here. Which we're working on. The society is insane. It's crazy. It has it has a balance to it that keeps it going somehow. I don't know how that why we're all still here, but we are, even with all the incredible atomic weapons and so on. We have atomic weapons in ourselves. That's why they're all over the place. So we have to look at it. We have to see the war in ourselves and stop and see where it gets its fuel from and stop fueling it. That's hard to do because it looks like we're not to blame for that war. Someone else is causing that negativity in us. Look close. As I've said hundreds of times by now, or at least 50. If you blame anybody for how you feel, this is the very nature of confusion that you think there is someone else who caused however you're feeling. This is just untrue. Those feelings are yours. I say yours, not your personhood, but the consciousness that is here with these ears, with this nose, with these arms and this hand, this digestive tract, this heartbeat, this hair or lack of hair, this body-mind complex that's wandering around. Further? Further in here? Please, don't hesitate. Don't let, it, don't let me get away with this. You see a, a hole in what I'm saying? You come and get me. Yes, sir. Eric Pine. A moment ago, you mentioned throwing a rock through the neighbor's window. Yes. If the neighbor threw a rock through that window, yes. we would fix it, wouldn't we? Fix the window? Yes. Uh, yes. So then how do we know when it's right to fix and when it's not right to fix? Good one. Relative, when it's relative, when it's very, very uh, simple, and this gets broken, we fix it. So sometimes we fix, but when we start to get in an area, there's a lot of difference between uh, a piece of granite and incense smoke. A piece of granite is pretty established over a million years or whatever, but incense smoke is uh, lasts for, what, a minute? So, but they're both phenomena. One is extremely solid and hard and convincing. And the other is like barely even here. If someone leaves the room and they come back in, they aren't going to say, what happened to all the incense smoke? It was just here for a while. They aren't going to say that. I'm, I'm getting to the, my point. And my point is the, the way that, phys that physical and substantial reality arises, it slowly gets more and more and more uh, subtle, going from rocks to incense smoke. That keeps right on going into the mind stream or as the mind stream. You can't, the mind stream, the consciousness, what shows up in the consciousness are like rocks. That's, those are concepts. And so, but you, you can't do anything with them. Have you noticed that you can't control how you think? 
Yeah, I mean, nor can I. But you don't need to because your actual identity is not supported, not hindered by rocks or concepts, and also uh, it is not supported by it. It is liberated already. And all you have to do, simply put, stop covering it up. So that doesn't mean that you don't fix a window. Uh, chop wood, carry water when it, before awakening. Chop wood, carry water after awakening. All it's saying is we're, the consciousness is downloaded into this form. And we, we need to uh, so-called obey the Dharma or obey the, the law or the causation that we're, we're downloaded into. But that doesn't necessarily apply to consciousness as it gets more and more and more rarefied and less and less substantial as a, a physical situation. Is that helpful? Or am I missing what you're asking about? No, it's helpful. I just, I often worry about uh, my tendency to misapply spiritual teachings in mundane situations and, and hide out or avoid things because I can mm -hmm. tell myself, oh, I don't need to fix this or I don't have to improve that and I can mm -hmm. skirt around things. So I'm just, just trying to figure out how so, to work okay. that. Stop figuring, keep asking questions and uh, fix a window. But, but the worry around it, that's that the worry is actually taking you away from what needs to be done, from the pra practicality of it into something about the window. So it, it tends to get more and more away from the actual situation of, yeah, just fix the window, but no comment. You're welcome. Good question. Further question? Yes. When you're bowing, your title was Radical Awareness. Yes. And radical as root. So does that imply that there are different layers of awareness bowing? Yes. Yes, the, the levels of it, the awareness of of touch, the awareness of smell, the awareness of, of the six of the six sense fields, which I include the mind. It's receiving thoughts. It's not necessarily producing. There's no producer, but the consciousness that gets wound up in a body because of the sense fields is operating in this uh, modified or condensed form we call a human. Uh, what gets added on is we think we are somebody, and we think we can get ahead of the person next to us. Or they were somehow better than some people, or not as good as some people. Uh, the evaluation part comes into consciousness. It's just the nature of relative truth that it tends to do that. So the, the one who realizes what this is has not left this form for for some angelic being or some uh, uh, um, ultimate uh, success story of being in heaven or something like that. They're, they're not separated from anything. They're not separated from the window breaking. They actually are that window breaking. They're not separate from anything. That's the illusion that we are deluded about. Go ahead. So are we striving to always get to the root awareness? Nope. That's the path. You have ground, path, and fruition. Simply put, the ground is suffering. I don't like this. This shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't be doing that. Ouch! Ouch! I can't take this anymore. And all the commentary we drum up to help protect us. And so then we happen to stumble into something like this. There are other paths, but this is a, as far as I can tell, this is the the Buddha's Dharma. And we've stumbled into it, and here we are. So that's the path. And so you're, you're a monk. 
So every day we face the wall, we return to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. You don't have the living Buddha is gone, so all you have is this old man. But this old man is completely dedicated to teaching anyone if they're a student. But I'm not here to advertise or, con or promise you anything. You have to see it. You have to see that you need this kind of training. Like if you say, well, what's the purpose in meditating? Well, maybe for you there isn't. Go do whatever you want. But death comes without warning. And this path is, in a sense, your preparation for the transition we call death. Because you don't come to an end. Any suffering you're having now is not necessarily going to end. So see it now. See it while you're in the body form, in this human form. See it now. You can do that. I will help you. And what, what proof do you have that I know what I'm even talking about? <laughs> I, I have no guarantee. There's no warranty. There is no proof. There's no proof. If you need proof, you're in the wrong room. Although there's no right and wrong, of course. You have another one? Anyavali is one who realizes what this is, working from a radical awareness. Uh, they're, they're beyond that. What's beyond? I don't know. Not much. If, if there's radical awareness, and then one is still practicing. You're actually noticing you're starting to look into the basis, traditionally called the uh, Alia Vijnana or Vijnana. But it's further than that. Uh, sometimes some, uh, some uh, teachers have talked about a, a, a ninth consciousness. I don't think that's necessary to do that. They continue to try to track it down off into the wilderness when it's right here. Is there something to be discovered when we are working from a radical awareness? There, there could be something in that area for a while, but eventually there isn't even that. There isn't even a discovery. In order for there to be a discovery, there has to be a discoverer, someone who has discovered something. That's still the path. It's better than that, and it's worse than that. It's worse than that because there's no oxygen there for ego. But it's better than that, and it's better than that because whatever there is of consciousness, whoever you actually are, is not separate from anything, and it is liberate. You're liberated. There's no one who's liberated. There's just liberation. When you bind, what does liberation feel like? Feels like shit. Oh, I changed my mind. Feels like marshmallows. Will we know? You won't know. You won't. There wasn't. Any, there isn't anyone left to know. That's why I'm using silly responses like that, because you can't find, look, can't look. I might as well say that. Just try to say, oh, it's uh, freedom from this or from that, or you'll no longer suffer. I'm not doing that. As long as there's a living being somewhere, then there's going to be uh, the suffering of the composite, which is a traditional teaching of the three types of suffering, pain of pain, pain of alternation, and the suffering of conditioned existence. And we're, you're still existing conditionally. 
When you say you are the vow, are you yes. aligned with your intention to observe rather than the inability to do so? Yeah, everything's all collapsed. There's no, the intention is gone. There, there's just this, and it's very ordinary and very simple. The Tibetan word for it is tamogishepa, which is uh, supposed to be a secret teaching. I just don't tell anybody. It's just, it's just this. There isn't, there isn't anything else but this. So everything is, every, everything is welcome. No more warfare. The emotions that might still come and go, they don't belong to anyone. There's no one having an emotion, no one having a thought. This is possible. I could not sit up here and talk like this uh, if I weren't looking at this. I'm not thinking it. I'm not believing it. I'm not disbelieving it. I'm not ignoring it. Uh, I'm not even aware of it. That's why I say to Eric, I say, come and, or to anyone, I say, give me, give me what's troubling you or what, what you're having a challenge with. Please don't, don't uh, just bring your, if there's embarrassment, just bring it with you. I'm just as embarrassed as you are if you're dealing with that and probably just as afraid. Uh, not separate, not separate. Nothing needs to go away once you realize what this is. Nothing needs to change. Nothing will change. Is there such a thing as change? There's impermanence. Does that change? I can't do it for you, but I'm all about helping you do this, and I'll, I will endeavor to meet you wherever you're at, even if you're just a, an ordinary podiatrist. Go ahead. Junchu Valley, at book study today, you were talking about seeming threatened, I think. Me? Or just on the path, threatened? Yeah. Do we have to go through a feeling of being threatened in order to see the unreality of self? Probably. It's very, uh, the word I commonly often use uh, all the time is observe, or, or the other one is just receive. If it comes knocking on your door, probably needs to come in. That doesn't mean you shouldn't look out and see who's there. If we are afraid of feeling threatened or avoiding that, are we missing the teachings? Somewhat, I think. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion because if you, you wouldn't even be able to ask that question if you're missing the teachings. You're, there's something about that. Just your particular way of, of receiving it might have some scary aspects to it. So how does it feel for you to be afraid of the teacher? You're close to the teacher. You're my Jisha. How does it feel? What's it like? I have a hard time describing it. Is it fear? You've used that word before. I've heard yes. you say mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, fear. Anything else? Fear because it's it's threatening to to you're protected pretty well, and of course you're inspired to meditate. You might have read read inspiring books or messages, but if you get too close to someone who is all about helping you expose your true nature so you can see your false nature. I should say expose your false nature so you can see your true nature. 
true nature is not threatened. Yes. How much should we go into those um, areas that feel threatening or intend to kind of bring that area up? <clears throat> I, I wouldn't go out foraging around looking for problems. Just to keep it very simple. Everything you need to see, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I can see, is by sitting down, training your mind. Not only the book study, I think that's helpful, but the intellectual area, the thinking process that tends to be about finding things and understanding things intellectually, but then get, get the body-mind, get your consciousness, your awareness, your whole body to the wall, sit down, look at something where nothing was much is happening, and your eyes are open, all your senses are open, you have to do a lot of it, and then just receive, receive, receive. That way you're, you're practicing receiving things that are not particularly threatening, or they might be sometimes, but quite often it's just you're sitting and you're you're listening to some birds outside the window, perhaps, or someone uh, in the other room that's making a little bit of a noise, and then you notice your own thoughts, your discursive thoughts coming about things you like, things you don't like, things you're trying to get to happen, and other things that are bugging you. Very simple, ordinary thoughts. We're practicing on the things that are not particularly threatening, so that when you get up off the cushion and you go into your everyday life where people, other people and situations are triggering you, so that the, the areas of consciousness that are storing difficulty and aggression, passion, aggression, and ignorance, those get triggered. And so therefore, then we have uh, difficulty with people. We, we, you know what I'm talking about, right? We have difficulty. So we're just training ourselves to, to slowly receive those aspects of consciousness that are hidden and stubborn and sometimes even warlike and just looking for a, someone to blame for how we feel. Just another way of saying it. Everyone's doing this in a different way. Some people, maybe it's more along the lines of war and peace. And some people it's, maybe it's uh, about our own feelings of which we might call depression or something. Rather than doing something about that, we cover it up, not only with our activity trying to cover it up, what to do about it, what to think about it, but we'll even go out and try to get medications for it. Should we do that? I don't know, that's up to you. I don't know what it feels to feels like to be you. I would say less is better in any area. Less cover up. More, let's look at it. More, let's take a close look at it. You can take a close look at your own mind stream right on the wall. I'm not there. No one else is there. More. No, just the most important thing I can say probably to anyone who's here who's meditating, just keep going. Because uh, the, the path up that mountain uh, where you are eventually will come over the top of that. The path up that mountain is pretty dark and can be threatening and can not be particularly inspiring. So that's why we study the Dharma, so that we can read the words of the Diamond Sutra, the Heart Sutra, uh, words of uh, Dogen Zenji as we were studying today, and maybe draw some inspiration from somebody who lived in the 13th century and saw what this was and began to speak about it. And there was some people who listened. Not too many back in his time, but more after they discovered his written works. Please don't hesitate. Do you have a question? Mahesh Bowen. Mahesh. Uh, so most of the questions um, 
that I feel like asking are around uh, either wanting to get something or fix myself. So what would be an example of a, of a question of someone who has seen through the illusion of uh, self and other bowing? I'm not quite tracking what it is you want to know. Can you can you just say simply what you want to know so that I can possibly, maybe I can't be helpful. Mahesh, right, go ahead. Yeah, Mahesh Bowing. I'm curious on uh, what kind of questions would uh, someone who has awakened to the illusion of self and other would ask? Well, they wouldn't have any questions. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any questions other than what's for supper. I'm not just kidding. I mean, I don't have questions. I'm looking at what I wanted, what I wanted to know. I'm looking at it. It's not what I thought it was going to be when I first entered this path a long time ago, but I'm looking at it. So, and am I saying, does that make me enlightened or a sage or a Buddha or something like that? I would say, first of all, uh, if you were to ask any of those questions of me, I would say, what do you mean by that? So you'd have to define what you mean by uh, awakened or someone who is, I like to say someone who has seen what this is rather than say enlightened or awakened or Buddha or if you, if you know what this is, you, the questions stop and then you can just, uh, live your life in a very direct and open and generous, not only generous this way, but generous this way, giving, giving, giving everything your attention. Most profound form of giving is to, Give everything your attention so that you can receive this incredible gift of reality, the gift of this precious human birth. No matter how terrible you've had it, it's still a precious human birth, but you may not be lucky enough to bump into someone who can point that out to you and encourage you to see your true nature, see your mind, see who this is. Not this, but see who this is. Find out who you are. <laughs> You, if you if you realize who you are today or tomorrow, you may never talk to me again. You probably won't need to. You won't be separate from me or from anyone. Not something to believe. Could consider it more, Mahesh. Come on, don't leave me with that. Give me another question. No, I don't, I don't have any questions. <laughs> Thank you. <Well. laughs> I scared Mahesh away. Go ahead. What do we do if it looks like the inspiration is covered up? Well, you're here, aren't you? How does it feel? Not great. What seems to be the problem? Give me the give, give me the question. Don't hold back. Does it look like I'm planning the answer? I know it doesn't to you. Does it look like I know what I'm going to say? Come on, let me have it. Ask me. Tell me. I'm watching myself struggle. Yes. And that little bit of inspiration that I thought I had to be in the types of things that you yes. know that I do. 
It's like I can you, see that. How much are you sitting? Not as much. Well, yes. So that's one. Look who you're talking to. That's my bias is if you're, if you're not sitting and facing a wall a lot, especially the way that question is showing up, that's the first thing. And then when you get up off the cushion, serve others. And that may not be being a, a waiter or, or even being a therapist, which you are a therapist, but it may not be that. But put everyone, starting with everybody, everyone you meet, put them before yourself, which you already do quite a bit from what I've seen. But that's the key to it. Others, receive everything, all the crap that comes up in your mind on behalf of others. You could say to yourself, uh, as I sit here and receive all this gunk, let me receive all the gunk that ever, other, everyone else is dealing with. This is the path of the Bodhisattva. It's so much harder to help people here. It is hard. Do it anyway. It's easier to do it in Grand Rapids. No, that's a misunderstanding. That's why you're here. Your intelligence brought you here. It's time for you to do it, to do it this way. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You're very lucky to be here because you will get all the support you need. It may not look like it. So be very tentative around drawing any conclusion about anything. You can do this. You can do it. Just don't stop. Keep going. Return to the wall. Return to the, the teaching. Return to the teacher. Not because I need anybody to return to me. I don't need anything. I want a bunch of things, though. Want me to list them? <laughs> I want you to see your true nature. That's one of them. And I'm completely dedicated to it. You're going to keep going? Are you? Yes. All right. Then just walk through the muck. Nothing lasts. Even the worst day uh, that you're having won't last as long as you don't circle around it and keep you're trying to keep reestablishing a self who's having that problem. The problem has its own, it's self-existing. It just, the crap just shows up and goes away and shows up and goes away. And if the personhood that you think you are is trying to save itself, support itself, secure itself, defend itself, it will use that muck as a justification for what? Sinking. Don't sink. Save all beings. Turn turn your attention to others over and over, starting with Dan. Starting with everybody. Starting with your cats. Your dogs. Starting starting with the living beings that are right next to you. You're already doing that song, I know. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. You can do it. Nothing lasts, including misery. Turn to others, turn to others, turn to others. You might not be able to do much. You might not get much credit for it. And they might say, even say, what the hell are you doing here? Or you're not helping me very much. You ever had somebody tell you that? If you're a therapist, you probably have. But you are. More? Does suffering last? Um, it won't matter. 
as long as there's a manifestation, if there's a, if there's nerve endings, and there's a, there's, this is showing up as a, a living form out of consciousness. This arises in consciousness. Consciousness doesn't arise in you, you dummies. You're, you're arising in consciousness. You have no say so. We have a little. I can ring this bell. Or I cannot ring this bell. I could tip these plants over. No, I'm not going to do that. That's too zen-y. That would be like some kind of a Zen master showing everybody something. Not going to do that. More? Do you remember your question? What was it? Sort of going, does suffering last? Well, everything uh, persists and lasts for a while, but nothing lasts. Everything breaks apart and goes away because it's dependently arisen and it's just phenomena, so it can't last. But it will tend to persist, like I was uh, uh, saying to Kelly, that it, it, if you do anything with it, then it tends to keep rocking and rolling around inside your psyche, pushing this, pushing that, looking for some space, looking for something right, something wrong, something right. Is this right? Is that right? It's just a, a labyrinth of psychology and philosophy and all of that. Uh, you know, and you're a, you're a therapist, but you know from being a therapist that there is no formula for this. Even though you've studied all the formulas, you know all the different ways of doing it, and some ways you like pretty well because it gets you closer to the person you're working with. So what is that about? It's about being with that person. Some people are just alone, and they, they have nobody but you. They have no mind training. You don't have to fix them. They do not have to improve. It's all about your intention, the intention to be with all things. That's the vow. You're still sewing a rock suit? You better start. Three stitches. That's all it takes. Refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. You never have to finish it. It's always about intention, not about completion, even though it's taught differently by different teachers. I teach intention. Get on the path somehow. Don't ever get off. But you don't have to finish. You don't have to finish sewing a robe or anything. That's for other people. You know who you are. <laughs> Not for everyone. I'll take a final question if there is one. Go ahead, Isaac. What is um, what does enlightenment mean? Well, can't quite hear you very well. Could you speak a little louder? I think I heard you, but I want to. I want you to repeat it again and and say it in a better way. <laughs> Isaac bowing. Um, what does truth awaken to? Um, Simple way of I would say it is awaken. Awake, you awaken. If you awaken, you awaken that there isn't anything else but this, and everything is perfect. This does not mean that the insanity that's going in the Sudan or any place in the world isn't totally crazy and insane and violent. Of course it is. But that's been going on for centuries, that buildup. There's, there's so little mind training. There's so many of the world's religions uh, work with this as something is wrong and needs to be fixed, and the whole sacred and profane polarity keeps on going right on up to everywhere. To actually see what this is, you see that it's already perfect as it is. 
again, that doesn't mean there isn't horrible violence and mistreatment and abuse happening everywhere, right in this town. So you see what it is, you, you see the confusion, you see that most people are deluded about something you're not deluded about, because you see that everything out there is an illusion. You see that it's vividly unreal in emptiness. You actually realized what you've been studying for years and years and years. It is a realization without a realizer. It is thoughts without a thinker and so on. This has been said way before I got here. And you see it, you realize it, you see it. This does not, not mean that you no longer have any uh, wild and crazy thoughts go through your mind. You do. The thoughts go through, but there's no one thinking them. They are dependently arisen. You're liberated from, as has been said before, you're liberated from your knowledge. You're liberated from relative truth. You're no longer confined by anything. This does not mean that if you see a, the example I often use, see a, a person beating a, an animal with a stick, you don't go and take the damn stick away from them and maybe even beat them. So you function very, very practically. You come up and take a swing at me and I'll kick the slats out from under you. Well, unless it's somebody that apologizes first, then I might say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this. So goes on, but <laughs> your bloody nose. What am I trying to say by that? I'm saying you still fu you function even better relatively because you're not fooled by anything. You're not fooled by hope and fear because there isn't anything here. I'm not saying when I say there isn't anything here, I'm saying you're just, you don't hope for something better because you see what it is. You see that it's dependently arisen. And you don't fear of something worse because you know that who you are can't be can't be harmed. I'm not saying if somebody can't harm your body, but if they're trying to do that, then run. Get away from them. I mean, it's practic It's very practical. You're no longer tied up in some kind of idea of trying to look holy or peaceful. No, if somebody comes at you with a, a weapon, you take it away from them, if you can, or get away from them, which might be smarter. But you're not fooled by relative truth anymore. You see what it is. You see that people are extremely confused and are suffering. When you see someone being mean to you or threatening to you, it's because they're so terrified. So you might try start out by pacifying that if you can. But sometimes if somebody comes into an elementary school with an AK-47 and starts blowing people apart, a little bit too late for that person as far as uh, any basic sanity there. They've already gone completely insane and want to get rid of their suffering by torturing others. That happens on lots of different levels, even with people that aren't armed. They're sometimes called politicians, they want to torture others so that they'll feel better. Not always. Not always. Not always. How's it going? Go ahead. Can you describe fruition? Are you describing your mind? Can I describe fruition? What are what are you describing? Darling? Everything and nothing. Everything is empty of our imputations, our beliefs about it. But you have to see That's it. Darling. I'm still talking. I'm still using uh, English. Uh, not not so well, but I do the best I can. But I'm still talking, and I'm describing. Can you say more, Isaac? How can I understand what you're describing? You can't. I don't even understand it. You can't understand what you're not separate from. 
If something is separated, then you can have an understanding about it. You can explain it. You can become a university professor and teach about biology or chemistry. And I'm all for that. There are people who can do that. I can't do that. I was just trying to make a drawing for a for the architect so they could get a rough idea of what floor plan I wanted. I'm using numbers and everybody knows that numbers to me look like bunny rabbits or squirrels, occasionally a, a koala bear, that's it, depending on the number. Am I being silly? I am, but I'm also trying to describe to you that I'm really very visual. I'm very limited when it comes to numbers, <clears throat> have been for a long time. That doesn't mean I can't add, subtract, divide if I need to, but I use a <laughs> computer. But when I today I'm trying to look at the scale, it's a it's a an architect scale, and I've studied that a little bit, so I have an idea how to how to make a, an eighth of an inch equal a foot in a drawing. But still, my my ability to work with numbers uh, is kind of gets kind of foggy, so I tend to be uh, what what maybe we'd call dyslexia or something. I could probably be trained. Anybody want to train me so I can count better? So coming back to your question, <clears throat> let me ask you this one more and then we'll, then we'll uh, end for the night. But what do you want to know? What is it you want to know? Can you boil it down to that or bring it down to that? Is it going? Just what, what are we working towards? Going? Well, a couple of ways of saying it, liberation, freedom, from the prison in our mind of passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear, and all the structures in there where we're, we're unhappy. Do you want to be happy? Everyone wants to be happy. But the kind of happiness that you're looking at here is more a sense of equanimity because it's not a f um, airy, what airy fairy kind of happiness where you're above the fray. No, you, it doesn't matter where you're at. You, you can be in hell. Wherever you are, that's that's. It doesn't mean you're happy being tortured. I'm not saying that. No, you wouldn't. That would be horrible. But the fundamental situation is you're you're no longer at war with any anything because anything that looks like an enemy or a polar, polarity of some kind that is against you or is uh, threatening you, you see its fundamental nature. You, you see that anyone who is angry or mad at coming at you is, is suffering deeply, and how what are they doing? They're covering it up by attacking you by blaming you for how they feel. You actually can see that because you've been looking at your own mind for so long. Finally, after all this time, you begin to see the nature of everything. By seeing the nature of this, you discover everyone and you're not separate from any of them, no matter how they look, how they act. So it's, a, it's just returning to your original nature, which is your Buddha nature, but you just happen to still, still be in a human form, which is quite, rare for someone to be liberated and still be living. Yes, sir. Thank you for the question, sir. Very good. Hi, my name is Shoka. I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I'm committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your support for our programming, including a scholarship fund to cover living and tuition costs for those who are practicing full-time at the monastery. Thank you for your generosity.